Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Drone Insights and Technology, a Connexicore podcast. We're going to be talking about real-world topics that will uncover the business of commercial drones and the applications that drive this exciting market. Your host for the series is Frank Segura, CEO and founder of Connexicore, one of the leading industry drone service providers. With each episode, we will be talking with industry thought leaders about how commercial drones are being used right now in all types of vertical markets to save time, save money, and keep workers safe. As a reminder, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to stay up to date with the latest episodes. And now, with no further ado, is our host, Frank Segura. Hello, and welcome to Drone Insights and Technology, a podcast by Connexicore. I'm your host, Frank Segura, and we'd like to thank you for joining us for this episode where we're going to help you, the consumer, understand how to differentiate between contenders and pretenders in the commercial drone industry. Although somewhat of a controversial topic today, it's been said by industry sales veterans for years that it's better to undersell and overdeliver rather than oversell and underdeliver. But as the drone industry has matured, our guest on today's podcast, Abigail Lacey, VP of Sales for Measure, an aerial intelligence software company, says the industry's sales efforts have trended towards the latter, often selling solutions that they can't fully deliver. Today on our podcast, Abigail is going to share with us her personal experience on this topic and the right questions as a consumer of drone data to ask a drone service provider or software provider to ensure you're getting exactly what you need from that partnership. She's also gonna share some insights for drone industry professionals to help broker successful partnerships. Abigail, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely, happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. All right. I, I have to admit, um, you are single-handedly the reason Connexicore has partnered with Measure. Um, and I say this because I personally felt that you practice what you preach. You know, I got to know you closely, that you are, you know, a straight shooter. And you were completely honest with us on what Measure software can do really good and what's on the roadmap to make the platform better. So um, I have to, you know, hand it to you. Uh, as a seasoned salesperson, you did exactly what you were supposed to do, uh, and a lot of a lot about what this topic today is going to be about. So, um, Abigail, I got a few questions. I'll start off by saying, uh, before we do a deep dive into the episode, uh, can you give our listeners a little background on how you got involved in drone technology, and has your background always been in sales? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I started my professional career in sales. Um, you know, right out of college, I landed at a company called Memory Blue. They do outsourced inside sales. Um, so there I worked with a lot of different um, technologies from, you know, password management to business intelligent, uh, business intelligence software. Um, and then I eventually, you know, kind of moved to selling the service of outsourced sales, which is definitely um, challenging. Just as with drone services, you're kind of selling an, an intangible if, if it's just, you know, a service. But then, of course, there is the data that you can, um, you know, kind of leverage when you're speaking with customers. But um, so, yeah, I, I started in sales focusing on technology, um, worked at this firm, Memory Blue, for I think about three and a half, four years, um, stumbled across 
um, measure through a mutual friend. Uh, at the time, I think this was in 2016, they were, you know, solely focused on, on services, joined the team as like the sixth employee. I was the first salesperson, um, you know, built our entire sales infrastructure, um, you know, from, you know, the tech stack, like CRMs, um, you know, through to, you know, our sales process um, and what is our uh, agenda as an organization? Um, how do we speak with customers? Who are the customers we're targeting? Um, so worked through the drone services space with measure, you know, um, through section 333 to part 107, you know, through to today. Um, and earlier this year, um, or I guess back in 2018, um, measure as a company kind of recognized a gap that we felt a lot of the, uh, drone program management platforms on the market were kind of falling short because um, they were developed not with the pilots in the field in mind um, or, you know, kind of developed in a vacuum. Um, and, and we did search out the market and, and tried to find a solution between other players, um, but none of them just really fit the mold for us and, and for some key customers. And so we decided to go down the path of building our own drone platform management solution. Um, and that was kind of coupled with our services that, that were still a pretty booming business. Um, and so, you know, for a while we were a split software and services company. Um, but then late 2019, early 2020, um, you know, a, a company, a global company called Aerodyne, you know, approached measure and, and asked if we'd be interested in, you know, an acquisition of our services side. So that's what occurred in early 2020. Um, and the software side kind of spun off. And, and so now we're, you know, kind of a smaller organization, but just focused on software um, and bringing a solution to the market, you know, hand in hand with our customers and still our sister company, Aerodyne Measure, um, that really, you know, fits the need of, you know, enterprise companies and drone service providers alike. Um, and so I'm, you know, still the main salesperson at uh, Measure. And that's kind of, yeah, the, I guess my background is to, you know, how, um, you know, our company and then also my role within the company has evolved um, within the drone services and software space. Yeah, that's a, that's a great background and very similar to mine. Um, I had started with a VC-backed company as well, uh, but we did sell a tangible item uh, for years. And I was there as senior VP of sales for 16 years. And, um, you know, selling a tangible um, device was easy because you can demonstrate it. Uh, you can put it, you know, in the back of your van, uh, drive it to a customer, um, demo it easily, and it was different than selling a service. I definitely admit selling services is very different, and you have to no doubtedly differentiate yourself in this industry. And I've noticed a lot of um, consolidation with a lot of the uh, drone services now becoming drone software companies, um, as well as drone services just consolidating and becoming larger uh, drone services. Uh, here at Connexicore, we haven't had that, um, I call it a problem, because I think sometimes when you grow too fast um, as a service and you're being consolidated by, by another larger service provider, uh, you tend to be mismanaged and you grow too fast. Um, but I, I definitely have a similar background. Um, so in your opinion, what, what is the current state of sales in the drone industry today? And what would you say would be the biggest challenges and issues facing professionals in this industry right now? Yeah, um, I think, you know, because 
you know, the, the drone market is so nascent, you know, you can't always as, as customers, you know, they can't always Google a definitive or accurate answer on, you know, what's available or possible on the market for drones. Um, you know, there's a lot of, um, I guess I'd say like fluff in the industry that makes people believe that, you know, delivery with a drone is going to become commonplace tomorrow, you know, just for an example where, um, that's, that's actually not the reality, right? It's still very much in the R and D phase and, and it won't, it won't be an actuality for, for a while. Um, but there's a lot of misinformation based on kind of the hype that's been built up around drones. And I think, you know, because of that, um, consumers and enterprise customers are definitely left to rely on the salesperson more to educate them. Um, sure. and I think, you know, that's great. Salespeople should double as educators. Um, and I've met a lot of really phenomenal educators in this industry that, that focus on being candid. Um, Matt Barr at Slant Range, he's, he's one that I've had really good experiences with, um, you know, going in jointly on deals. Um, but that means that there's a lot of responsibility on the shoulders of folks selling to consumers to be, you know, candid. Um, and, I think in the drone industry, we're all so driven to see the tech succeed. Um, and, and then we're met with additional challenges with a complicated regulatory and geopolitical environment um, that it's sometimes fast for us. To, it's, it's hard for us to move as fast as we'd like. Um, and so sometimes people in the drone industry, um, which, you know, we, we sell something that we can't entirely deliver on, which which it, it happens in literally every industry, I think, especially in, in the early phases. But I think because of all those issues that I mentioned earlier in the drone industry with, with the complicated regulatory and geopolitical environment, it kind of compounds the issue for us, um, if that makes sense. So I think I think that's definitely, you know, something that's, that's hurting our ability to um, develop, you know, I don't know, confidence with customers um, because they are kind of duped in, in some instances. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And often um, my company, you know, we're talking to customers and they're, they're often saying, well, your price is three times as high as, um, as the drone provider I just talked in my neighborhood. And, and we kind of call it the wild west. You know, it's, it's, it's the drone in the dream syndrome it's like cowboys and Indians with some of these less experienced drone services. Uh, example, and this is a real world example. In this case, it really wasn't the drone pilot's fault um, in an experience that I had personally, but the facilities management customer of ours decided to save a little bit of money or tried to save a little bit of money, ended up costing them more, hired his little nephew, Timmy, who got a drone for Christmas to do a facade inspection and crashed the drone at full speed into a 10-story window. The way I look at this is, is Timmy having a Part 107 should have really declined the mission without the experience and the facilities guy should have had pre-qualified this potential liability. And it, it was very embarrassing because the customer had to come back to us and explain to us what happened and why he doesn't use his nephew Timmy anymore. So, you know, incidents like this do a disservice to the industry as a whole, because in some way, shape or form, drones are still trying to get credibility with a lot of enterprise uh, and maybe get that level of buy-in from certain people who might not be totally bought in on the technology. Uh, an incident like that can really hurt us. So when some Yahoo goes into something dumb with the drone that impacts the industry as a, as a whole, just because you never know who you could potentially 
um, your customer could be sees this news story and then decides what the heck. Uh, I'm just going to keep doing things the way I've been doing it. Uh, it hurts us all. And I, I think it's really important to recognize that, you know, there's so many different levels of commitment that a drone service or a drone company or a software uh, company can commit to a customer. You know, we, we like to say it's not about the drone. It's about the data. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's a big thing here at Connexicore. Um, so, yeah, that was a funny experience on our end uh, with a particular customer. And we actually have it on video. <laughs> the, <laughs> oh, man. The customer, yeah, the customer shared it with us. And we, we use that video uh, in many of our webinars when we're talking about, you know, just experience. Um, you know, we just recently um, had a blog, the five things to ask your drone services uh, provider. You know, a lot of consumers out there really have no idea what the right questions are, um, which kind of like leads to my next question. If, if you're an enterprise consumer, what sorts of things should you know about the current market to make informed decisions, in your opinion? Yeah, yeah, great question. And, and you know, just to kind of actually revert back to something that you mentioned earlier, I think, you know, customers should should know their market and understand that since Section 3 through 3 switched to Part 107, I think it was what, August of 2016, um, that flooded the industry with a lot of people who, who just like you said, you know, picked themselves up a drone, wanted to start a side hustle, and, you know, were... Uh, trying to get into this inspections market. And, and we're still kind of in that. I think um, you still have a lot of people that are trying to make a go with it or a go of it in the drone industry without, um, you know, really having the, the right qualifications or credentials or know what to do with the data they're collecting. You know, they kind of think that it stops once you capture the raw data, but it doesn't. Um, and so I think, you know, just as a consumer, it's important to really know your know your industry, you know, know that it's full of companies fighting tooth and nail to, to be the last one standing. Um, you know, don't force them to be yes men or, or women um, because they'll likely want to tell you that they can do everything that they can. Um and just also know that you're you're dealing with a bunch of companies in newer industry who are, are really fighting to become profitable, um, you know, which which kind of brings me to a, a second point that is, you know, ask for proof of concepts or trials um, and also be willing to pay for them, um, especially when it comes to drone service providers that you might be evaluating for outsourced services, um, as in this instance, you know, you should 100% ask to do a proof of concept and compare the providers to see who gives you the best service and the best data um, that you can make actionable decisions from. Um, but again, you should you should come in knowing that you can can pay for these because service operators do. Um, you know, they do operate on on pretty thin margins. Um, and if you don't pay, you might end up with a company, you know, a bit desperate or fiscally irresponsible enough to do something for free. Um, you know, and on that topic, you should also, I believe, always verify if, you know, the pilots serving you on a proof of concept are going to be of the same caliber if you were to contract on a regular basis with them. And, you right. know, kind of hold them accountable for that answer because I've seen some DSPs, you know, yeah, I, I think just hold them accountable to that answer and make sure that that the pilot that shows up for that proof of concept will be just as vetted, um, you know, as, as one, if you were to call them up, you know, a month after you sign the contract to get work, make sure it's the same caliber of pilot. Uh, yes, I, I agree on the accountability. And, you know, the way we handle business 
is there are so many different industries. So we're not going to send out um, an agricultural drone pilot uh, who might have an agronomy background. Uh, we're not going to put that pilot in a utility environment where uh, they're doing p- power and transmission line inspections unless they have that type of experience. It's easy to put your chief pilot out for the proof of concept, but if you don't have a consistent um, work workflow uh, with regards to the different industries, a lot of indus- a lot of drone services will work with a lot of industries, such as my company, Um, but a lot of them specialize in just two or three industries and you have to be careful. Um, unfortunately I have to say this, but you have to be careful with the companies, um, that provide services to, you know, 15 different industries. Uh, you have to understand their vetting process. You know, how does a company vet their pilots? How many hours of flight time? Are they using the right UAV for the project? Or are you just grabbing the first available pilot to do a project for a client because you're desperate? Um, So I I agree. You have to hold them accountable. You have to look at their insurance. uh, Absolutely check their references. uh, And make sure that, um, you know, that project that you're going to have a pretty big liability if something goes wrong um, is being handled by a competent uh, pilot and a competent company that provides the service. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, just to kind of move on to a, you know, a third point for consumers to take into consideration when they're looking for a service provider. um, I think you as a consumer also need to know your risk tolerance and how that's related to your ideal price point. Um, You know, when it comes to software and services, right, there's definitely a trade off on on the services side. You know, yeah. And more Uber for drones model is great, but, um, you know, keep in mind that if their prices are, are rock bottom, they're, they're not going to be able to operate on negative margins forever. And, and secondly, you know, they pass that low cost on to who they're paying to show up on site and fly. Um, you know, for an example, I had a construction company that I was talking to more recently and we were actually, you know, it's a software sales deal, but I was, you know, talking to them about their experiences with services. Um, and they were telling me that they previously worked with kind of the more contract pilot model, um, organization and, you know, he, he's always though going out and looking at the market, seeing what other people provide. Um, and one day he went to his standard service provider and said, you know, Hey, like I, I got this price point from somebody. Would you guys be willing to meet me there? Um, and they said, name your price. You know, oh. you can pay whatever you want basically, right. um, wow. which to the customer said to them, okay, well, you know, I, I, I respect that they want my business, but that to me comes off cheap and makes me yes. worry. Okay. If I squeeze them on price point too much, how are they going to squeeze the person in the field? Is that person going to skip their checklist because they need to get this flight done in 30 minutes rather than an hour? Are they going to skip these safety precautions because they need to get done fast? And so, you know, they, they said that they, they never worked with that service provider again. Um, mm. because you know, while they had an, they, they want to get the best price point, they knew their risk tolerance and they knew that their risk tolerance was in the, you know, um, cost effective, but not cheapest. Sure. Uh, sure. If that makes sense. So I think that's also something consumers should just be aware of, right? If you have a lot of, if you have a very low risk tolerance, then go with a service provider that um, is going to be a little bit more expensive and will back up why they're more expensive um, with certain items like safety precautions or a higher data quality data deliverable, things like that. Sure. 
You know, and another topic we didn't even touch on is uh, knowledge of airspace. Um, there are so many, um, I guess, these homegrown service providers out there um, that get their Part 107. And just because you have a FAA Part 107 license and a drone doesn't mean you're a pilot. Uh, I'm sorry to say, it just means you own a drone. Um, <laughs> you know, taking the Part 107 test is really just a lot of memorization. Uh, it really doesn't bring a whole lot of operational skill set uh, into into the craft. Now, um, talking about airspace, um, if you're talking to a company that does not notify you that you're in XYZ airspace um, and we have to get uh, wide area authorization or waivers uh, to fly in this airspace, which is literally, and we work all over the country, um, just about everywhere that we work, we're in some type of um, uh, controlled airspace of some sort, uh, whether it's in a 400 AGL grid in Class B airspace, we still have to get Lance approval. Um, we're almost always uh, getting, you know, uh, airspace approvals wherever we're doing work. If you're hiring a pilot or a service and they don't mention airspace um, and they don't have at least, you know, $2 million worth of liability type aviation insurance, uh, then I would be very, very careful. Um, your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. And But I think it goes um, both ways, right? There are some enterprises, at least, and, and I haven't sold a service for, you know, a, a good six months, but, you know, I do know that sometimes I would stumble up across enterprise consumers that required manned aviation level of limits, which that's putting an undue burden that, that just doesn't make sense. So um, you yeah. have to you have to do some of your own research and, and know what are the risks for me in operating drones and, and what are some of these questions like airspace, like insurance, um, but then also have, have reasonable expectations. And I think that's all these items are, again, why I think the drone industry is so unique in, in its reliance on salespeople to also be educators um, because, you know, it, it's, it's new. So, yeah, I definitely yes. agree. You know, and I often find, you know, I come from a sales background. So my entire technology career um, has been based in the sales, uh, a sales role. Um, then I became a sales executive and then retired and started this company. Um, so, you know, salespeople, they do have to mature. Uh, they do have to understand, you know, it's, it's easier to say what you can't do versus what you can do. Um, that's typically what I tell most of the people that I mentor is, you know, if you can't do something, it's, it's, it's better to let the client know that, well, this is something we have to bring in a second party. We'll certainly help manage the process for you, but um, this is not in our bailiwick. Um, and when we get into surveying and mapping, it, it, be, it becomes a sensitive topic, um, especially to the, you know, engineering and surveying uh, companies that are licensed to do surveying and mapping. Uh, we might be able to do maps and work with a surveyor and lay down ground control points and get coordinates that are under three centimeters. But ultimately, um, a surveyor sometimes will have to certify a project so you really can't claim, and, and most consumers really don't know this. In fact, we get calls all the time for regular land surveys. 
mm-hmm. and I ask them, you know, how did you get our name? Well, you know, the we typed in surveys for properties, and I guess it's just from the SEO because we say survey quite a bit in a lot of our, um, um, you know, website um, information that people call us for surveys. And a desperate company will say, sure, sure, we can do that, when in reality they really can't. Uh, they can work with a surveyor, but they can't act as a surveyor and certify something. And I've heard so many nightmarish stories about those types of, um, you know, instances happening. Yeah. I mean, I've, and I think, you know, people are always hesitant to say no because they don't want to lose the business. But um, again, the concept of, of under promising and over delivering, um, I think really will benefit you in the long run. And, and that's what these enterprise relationships are. They're, they're meant to be long-term engagements, not one-offs. And, and I've had a similar experience, you know, when I was in the service industry where I had a large utility out of Michigan that, that I worked with pretty frequently. Um, and they had, you know, we were kind of in a cycle of them calling for, for ad hoc, you know, responsive, uh, inspections rather than proactive. But either way, you know, one time they called me and they said, Hey, like this IT manager really wants to see a LIDAR inspection. Um, can you guys do this? And, and I mean, at the time, LIDAR was not something that we were specialized in and they wanted it in, in the next two days. And, and I told him, I said, Hey, like, I understand you guys are really curious about LIDAR and it's definitely at, at the time it was just kind of up and coming tech. And I said, but it's, it's not, as you said, in our bailiwick. Um, I said, if, if I were to bring this on, I would bring on a third party. Um, and I'd already identified like one of the, the leading LIDAR companies that I was going to, I was planning to bring on. I said, but but I can't bring him on in the next two weeks to do this. If, if I did this this quickly, I would be setting us up for failure. Um, and they said, okay, yeah, fully understand. And then they ended up contacting me and saying, hey, we found a provider that was willing to do LIDAR. We're going to go with them for this time. Like, hope that's okay. And I said, okay, yeah, do it. Sure. And so right. they moved forward with this other provider who, who promised LIDAR and they ended up getting crappier data from that provider than they did, you know, with our photo, you know, more visual photogrammetry products. Um, and they also had just really negative experience with the caliber of the pilots um, sure. in the entire process. And it's because they they rushed to be a yes man. They rushed to provide something that they probably weren't quite ready to provide and, and that short of a turnaround. And so that provider never got any more business from that enterprise customer. Hmm. Um, and we continued to get business from them. Um, and I had the customer thank me, um, you know, thank you for being honest about, you know, where you thought it was. Cause, cause at the time we just felt that the, you know, the cost outweighed the benefit of, of LIDAR and especially with sure. our level of experience with it. Um, it, it wasn't a fit for us at that time. Um, so I definitely think, yeah, just another use case example to show that it, it I really do think it um, behooves you to undersell and over-deliver. Um, Absolutely. You know, it's interesting that you say LIDAR because uh, LIDAR is definitely a buzzword. And when somebody calls us for LIDAR, um, I often ask them, do you understand what LIDAR is and why we would use LIDAR versus RGB? And most of the time, the consumer, the enterprise customer really has they really don't have the answer. So mm-hmm. two weeks ago, we get a phone call from a customer. It was actually a survey company uh, in Texas. And they said, listen, we contracted with a, a, a drone service. Uh, we're doing some contours in a heavily vegetated area. 
uh, of uh, North Texas. And um, they handed us this, uh, this ortho mosaic that was absolutely, you know, covered with uh, tree canopy. And mm-hmm. it was just not acceptable. And I said, well, did they mention LIDAR to you? And they said, no, they never mentioned LIDAR to us. We, we don't know much about LIDAR. So I, I basically educated them on LIDAR, found out, well, the drone service only charged them $400 for a 100-acre uh, survey uh, that wasn't even useful. Uh, and they ended up paying, you know, about 10 times that cost uh, to have us do the, the LIDAR work for them. But they were very thankful. They, they, you know, they appreciated the education process, um, utilizing LIDAR a, as well as RGB in certain scenarios on that property. Um, but they were uh, blown away by the fact that this drone company came in and said they can do this LIDAR and um, can, you know, shoot through vegetation and actually get them contour plans and surface uh, topology. Um, so we ended up picking up a, a new client because of it. Um, I felt bad for the other company because they basically were, you know, out of client, but they kind of um, overpromised a bit. So, you know, case in point. Um, mm. But I think, um, Abigail, we are running out of time. And I, I will say thank you so much again for joining us today. Uh, we really appreciate you being on this episode of Drone Insights and Technology. Yeah, absolutely, Frank. Um, thanks for having me. And I think, you know, just to end on on a lighter note, you know, I, I say that I feel as an industry, we we do have a challenge of of overselling and under delivering. Um, but but in general, I, I just want to emphasize that I think this is an issue that that every new industry chases or faces. Um, you know, and, and I think it's it's a process, it's part of maturing, but obviously we're up against a really big challenge of driving innovation within enterprise companies. So, you know, while I think that we should always work to be educators and, and honest about what the tech can do, I, th- I think we're doing a great job of pushing innovation within enterprise companies and, and hopefully really changing some, you know, some lives for the better um, and improving processes and, and giving people better data. Um, so, yeah, thanks for having me. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. You know, the bar is really high um, when it comes to, you know, having guests on. And I think that you definitely um, were definitely on the top of my list there for our second episode. And um, I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of Drone Insights and Technology. We appreciate you joining us and we hope that you found it educational and informative. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure you go to subscribe. That way you can stay up to date with the latest on thought leadership in the drone industry. And make sure that you get every episode downloaded directly to your device. Remember, head over to connectsacore.com for more information about us and what we do. And of course, we'll be back soon with more episodes of the podcast. So stay tuned for that. But until then, I've been your host today, Frank Segarra. Thanks for listening. And remember, it's not about the drone. It's about the data. We hope that everyone has enjoyed and learned something on this episode of Drone Insights and Technology. And until next time, please remember, it's not about the drone. It's about the data.